Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Everyday Musician Podcast. Just a couple notes, like and subscribe to the podcast. The podcast is on Instagram and on Facebook, and some episodes are on YouTube. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Musician Podcast, hosted by Eric Mergala, a podcast where he has conversations with everyday musicians doing amazing things. Here's your host, Eric. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Everyday Musician Podcast. I'm delighted to have composer Evan Snyder. Uh, Evan, thanks for being my guest today. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Evan, talk to us um, about your compositional career and how you got started. Sure. Um, well, uh, I actually uh, started out as uh, a performer originally. Um, I, uh, I grew up um, singing uh, an awful lot. I, I played a couple of instruments on the side, piano for quite a while, and uh, euphonium a little bit way back in middle school band. But, but mostly I, I, was, I was a singer um, uh, pretty seriously for a long time. I, I did the choirs growing up thing and the competitions and choirs and musicals in high school. And then I went on to do undergraduate studies uh, in voice, uh, singing opera and mostly uh, mostly opera and, and some musical theater and, and art song and that kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't actually until partway through a, a graduate degree in voice that I uh, um, uh, discovered a passion for, for composition and, uh, and started exploring that and uh, then sort of all snowballed from there. And I ended up in a, a master's program for composition and for music theory and uh, ended up writing my first opera and, uh, and got started that way. Great. And I forgot to ask, where are you currently based? Oh, I'm, I'm based out of Lansing, Michigan. Great. And are you still pursuing your graduate studies or are you all finished? I just finished a couple of weeks back, actually. Okay. Well, congratulations to you. Thanks. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the genres that you compose in. So you're obviously a singer, right? And um, what are you a tenor, a baritone? What kind of? Yeah. What, you're a tenor. Okay. I am a tenor. Great. So let's talk about some of those genres. Um, you just said you compose uh, an opera recently, and you're actually working on a new opera. So let's talk about that for a minute. So, yeah, I actually was at the reading of your new opera. Um, last summer where we got to meet. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, what's it about? What are your goals with it? And what kind of audience are you trying to um, cater this opera to? Sure. Um, so the um, the piece I'm working on right now is uh, um, called uh, The Clef of the Universe. And uh, it's a sci-fi opera. The uh, action of it follows a crew of aliens on archaeological mission uh, who've traveled from the planet Zelea and crash land on an unfamiliar and lifeless world. Uh, and they're digging up um, lost vestiges of an ancient civilization on this alien world. Uh, and they get caught up in uh, danger that they don't realize the, um, the danger that wiped out life on the planet originally. And they're forced to contend with it and try and escape the planet. So, so that's kind of what the the story's about. My my goals with it are are, are a few um, in terms of the, the audience that I'm trying to cater to. Um, so uh, I suppose the audience first. Um, the the audience I'm trying to to cater to is is twofold. Something I've I've done uh, in this opera and in the last opera I've been working on is something that's an interest of mine um, is uh, sort of uh, cutting waters that are are a little unexplored 
by opera in terms of, of genre. My first piece was uh, a murder mystery uh, opera, sort of a 1930s film noir detective story called The Capacity for Evil. Um, and so with that as, uh, as number one and this uh, uh, as a sci-fi piece, number two, I'm attempting to uh, um, explore, explore places that opera hasn't gone before. My thought is, and, and this was pretty successful with the first one, um, that uh, – that it serves twofold purpose that it gets um, people who are interested in those kinds of shows interested in opera that uh, people will come see um, the opera uh, not just because they wanted to see an opera but because they're really curious about this new uh, murder mystery or um, now for this one this new sci-fi piece um, and the the reverse actually is true um, uh, I'm I'm less responsible for um, uh, for trying to pull audiences into to sci-fi um, and or uh, um, murder mysteries, but um, uh, it, it gives opera lovers a chance to experience something new. Uh, so uh, the hope is that that it sort of uh, enriches the experience and and helps draw audience in uh, in a, a pretty authentic um, and genuine way. So it sounds like you are you're catering to opera lovers, but you're also trying to have uh, potential opera lovers um, see the opera. So you're really, yeah. you're really focused on the actual, the actual story instead of the art of opera. Yeah. I think the, the art of opera is, is a flexible and growing and changing thing. And so, um, so the expectation is that, that the art evolves, uh, but uh, by focusing on the story and asking the story to do new things, you sort of force the, the piece to, to evolve along with it um, because uh, you'll contend with problems that haven't been contended with before because uh, a piece like this hasn't been written before, uh, which for me is an exciting challenge. So let's talk about some of those challenges in writing an opera because there are people who may come across this podcast for the first time and they have known nothing about opera what's the process of actually writing an opera because you have i mean you're obviously the composer of the opera so you're responsible for the music but talk about the libretto have did you write the libretto did you um did you ask somebody else to write the libretto and for people who are not familiar with, with what a libretto is uh simply put those are the words that go along with the music of the opera that it all makes sense yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I can speak to that for a second. So, um, uh, operas often are either collaborations between a separate composer and librettist pair, or sometimes the, the librettos are written by the composer themselves. Um, uh, for, for my these two pieces, um, uh, A Capacity for Evil and The Clef of the Universe. I wrote the libretto for both of them. Uh, for the first one, I actually had a great deal of help um, uh, from a, a good friend of mine, John Risen, um, who's a, a singer, and he and I conceived the story together actually uh, a long time previously to the beginning of the opera, beginning of the opera writing process. Um, so uh, so I had some, some help there, but... Uh, but the responsibility of, of taking the story and translating it into uh, a written form that could be set to music that that conveyed the drama like we intended that worked for the stage uh, that that fell to me um, and uh, so I've done that for these two pieces. 
So uh, w- w- I guess would you be interested in, in hearing a little bit about um, how, how the process um, uh, comes together from the beginning and the conception of it through the libretto writing and through the score writing and, and into the premiere? Yeah, we can talk about that briefly because I think the audience would be really interested to hear about how uh, an opera comes to life, not on stage, but actually the actual process of writing it and coming up with the idea. So talk about the inspiration behind sci-fi and then maybe we can go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the, the, the conception, um, uh, always starts as, as, you know, a, a, a tiny germ and, and an idea that, that you think, Oh, that, that, that would be cool for an opera. Um, uh, and, and it often uh, evolves over time. So, with uh, um, with the cleft of the universe, the original idea um, uh, started off with with this idea of of discovering um, uh, discovering artifacts, with uh, finding pieces of art um, or of um, or of technology, and uh, and how how that could look um, if if our technology was described or um, discovered by some some other race of beings. And, and so that was actually the, the original impetus for, for, uh, for Clef, um, was that, uh, curious, uh, how, how that, how that could play out. I had, uh, I had this idea that I, I shared with a friend of, um, uh, discovering a music box. If, uh, if you had never heard, um, human music before and, uh, and that, that, that little idea sort of got the thing running, uh, so uh, then, then they'll, uh, they evolve greatly over time as as you're planning out the story, and and I, I won't I won't go into all of that, but um, yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, but you you take this conception and um, you build ideas and you sort of filter things and and uh, um, uh, add things to it, and as you realize that they might not fit anymore, take things away, and and it evolves over time. Um, uh, and once the story feels pretty set, um, uh, I, I set into the libretto writing process. Um, and, uh, uh, that's, that's just essentially like, um, like writing a stage play. Um, the, the only difference is that, um, there's often a lot of space left for music and oftentimes, um, jobs left undone by the text that you know the music has to fill. Uh, a stage play has to be compelling um, based on its text alone. But uh, but you can uh, with with an opera, there are times when you want the text to say a little less to um, leave space for the the music to to fill in the audience's perception of that text. So um, so that's sort of the next step in the the process. And oftentimes you get to do some workshopping and um, uh, and uh, revision on the libretto. That's that's a chance to uh, sort of air the libretto out in front of an audience before um, before you set into the next step of the process, which is really the vocal score writing, where you sit down and you set all the text for the voices and um, and deal with what the the scoring for that looks like. Um, and uh, and there's often more workshops at that point and more revisions before it goes on to be orchestrated, um, uh, and uh, and then uh, dealing uh, dealing with sort of last uh, last round of revisions after after the orchestration, and then then you get to the premiere, and then sometimes there are revisions after that too. Um, uh, 
you know, operas operas are often growing things right until the the point when uh, when it's been out there for a few years and it's been done several times and it it finally feels like oh that's set. That's fantastic. Let's talk about the the length of the opera and how long it actually takes you to get to the to the performance. Yeah. Um, uh, so it'll be different for every piece. Um, I'm, I'm sure, uh, for, uh, uh, capacity for evil. Um, it was about three and a half years from the beginning of the libretto writing process to the, um, to the premiere. Um, I offer it from the beginning of the libretto writing process because it sort of deserves an asterisk. Um, the story for capacity for evil was actually conceived, um, a couple of years before I started um, writing the libretto, um, because I was still primarily a performer uh, at the time when uh, when my friend and I originally um, started planning out that story, and so uh, it was a story we thought would make a good opera, but not a story that I intended to make into an opera um, at the time. Uh, so, but from the time that really started working on it um uh three and a half years uh, i think to the to the performance uh now that's that's interspersed with other projects and um and and lots of other things but right that's uh, a, i was gonna i was just gonna say that that you have other projects in addition to this opera other commissions other um other jobs yeah. that you you that you have at the time so yeah that's also something to consider when it comes to the time so it took you around three years to work on this uh opera and um, how long yeah. has it been taking you to work on Clef of the Universe? I think that the timeline will be a little more compact for, um, for the Clef of the Universe. Uh, so far, I've been working on it uh, for about six months. Um, and, and I would guess that um, in, in a year or maybe a year and three months that, that it's done. It's a little bit shorter of a piece. Um, uh, I'm a little more experienced at the opera writing process, um, and uh, and it's it's also uh, I I have a little more time to devote to just it. Um, it sits uh, um, it gets to occupy a, a higher um, uh, position on my my list of of uh, um, pieces and and uh, and commissions uh, this time. So um, so I'm I'm excited about that. But it'll it'll end up with the timeline being a, a little more compact probably less than two years total that's great so you're anticipating oh, i forgot to ask uh how many acts are is this opera is it one is it two uh, this this one yes so um uh the quest of the universe will be um all in one act it's it's 75 minutes straight through let's talk about some of the challenges that uh, opera faces today um, with the, the with budget cuts and lack of funding in the arts we're starting to feel some resistance in the world in terms of actually paying a ticket to go to a concert not just opera but for any classical music concert what can you tell the listener listener who's not a classical musician to go see an opera yeah, I, I can say I, I can say a couple of things on that. Um, one, I think um, that uh, that opera has done something interesting in response to that. Uh, for 
for a, a while, it felt like opera was leading towards these sort of giant mega companies um, that uh, everything got consolidated into the the biggest of venues, uh, um, you know, the Metropolitan Opera, the Chicago Lyric, places where, where you'd have to pay a considerable amount to go see an opera um, and and the expenses spared on stage would be, um, well, the productions cost a lot. Um, and uh, in response to the, the fact that... Um, that we face some of the, the issues that, that we face in, in current classical music, um, the the sort of middle and bottom of the uh, um, production um, cost uh, size, uh, or um, the middle and bottom of the production cost um, sets of opera companies have um, grown and more small companies have appeared, um, and opera is becoming much more of a, a local and regional phenomenon um, than it had been for for uh, um, for a while, which I actually think is is a pretty exciting thing. It means that more people are getting to see opera live and getting to to meet people who who do that and and who who make a living out of that. So uh, so the one thing I, I would I would say on that is um, support those small companies. Go out um, uh, when when you hear that um, your your little regional company or um, uh, or, or local company uh, is doing a production of Pirates of Penzance or is, is doing a, a production of Lobo M, uh, go out, see it, support it. Uh, uh, it, it costs a lot less, um, and um, maybe it'll uh, cost you a few dollars more than uh, um, uh, than your evening on the couch watching Netflix, but, but I promise it's worth it. Um, the other thing that I'll say that I think opera suffers from um, uh opera suffers from these days is um, opera gets a, a pretty um, uh, a pretty unfair look in the uh, sort of larger media. It's often used for commercials um, uh, or uh, even uh, blockbuster movies. There's one came out recently that for spoilers sake, I won't uh, give away a title, but gives a really unfavorable look at, um, at a European opera house um, where some young people go into the opera house and there are um, six gray-haired people sitting in the audience and nobody else and um, uh, and uh, unenthusiastic response to what goes on on stage. And uh, um, in, in my experience, that's just not what, what opera looks like. Uh, people are always, when they go to their first opera, surprised at how, in, how, how much they enjoyed it. Um, it I actually, uh, you, know, really, you know, Sorry to interrupt you, but I know exactly no, the movie. Right. I know exactly the movie you're talking about. We won't reveal the name, but for people um, who know this movie, I want you to leave a comment to see what that movie might be. We won't reveal it for uh, for legal issues, <laughs> but yeah. we. Yeah, yeah. I think we're thinking of the same movie, and I completely agree with you that in this particular movie, um, that is not the right way to depict of what an opera. Uh, was or what an opera yeah. is and i think yeah. it does i think opera gets a bad rap i really do think and um i think i think for people who are listening i think it's very intimidating for them because it's for the elite and it's for people who have fancy dresses who can afford a ticket uh to go to these fancy productions but that's actually not the case and i agree with you in many of the cases that support your local opera companies and there is art everywhere there's opera instrumental music there's there's stuff everywhere and i think we're living in a time where it's so accessible to everyone 
you know, we have social media, we have the internet, the internet is the best thing that's ever happened to music or one of the best things that ever happened to music because we can share it to a wider audience. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so my, my, my two cents on that would be, um, uh, um, uh, just don't take, uh, um, third party opinions on, on what, what, what you'll think of, of opera or going to see a chamber music concert. Uh, um, try each of these genres out once. Um, uh, and then, you know, try them out a second time, honestly, because, uh, if, if you go see one opera and don't like it, uh, uh you know, it's worth begging the question, um, did you not like opera or did you not like that opera? Because it's just like going to see a movie. I mean, uh, I'm not a big horror film buff. And if, uh, if somebody took me to see a horror film and asked me um, whether or not I ever wanted to see a film again, I think I probably would answer no if I'd never seen another film. Um, so I'd give it a chance. I, for anybody who's listening who, who hasn't ever seen an opera before, um, my experience in taking people is, is that uh, they normally like it. Uh, they normally actually are, are blown away by how different it is than their conception of it. So uh, give it a shot. Great. Thanks for all of that, Evan. So we're, yeah, I just have a couple more questions to ask you. Uh, most yeah. importantly, why are you a musician? You know, have you, did you decide to go into music yourself? Uh, did you start at an early age? Did your parents uh, provide music education classes for you? Uh, tell us uh, that part of your story. Sure. Yes, I had, I had some music education at an early age. My, uh, um, my family's musical, but um, but but none of them them professionals. Um, uh, all all amateur musicians, um, and and so I, I grew up with an appreciation for music. Um, but uh, um, I was actually initially discouraged um, from from going into music. Uh, I I think many are uh, sort of uh, for the the um, uh, economics of it. Um, but. Uh, uh, but I'm, I'm very happy that, that things worked out the way that it did and that I've ended up on the path I am. Um, I, as, as, as to the, the sort of overarching, why am I a musician? Um, I, I think about, I, I have somebody once tell me, uh, if you can't think of anything that you'd rather be doing, you're on the right path. Uh, and, uh, for me, I've known for a long time that opera was that. Uh, I, I had a, a really um, uh, amazing set of personal experiences with, with opera um, as, a, as a high school student. And it, uh, um, uh, it taught me a lot, and it also helped me through some, some pretty difficult times. And, uh, and I wanted to get the chance to share that experience back with others. Uh, and so I've known uh, for a long time that, that opera was, was the thing that I wanted to do. Uh, it's been a lot less long that I knew that my path was going to be writing it rather than singing it. But the bringing an opera to an audience, getting to be part of that group that makes that experience possible, uh, that's, that's something that I've known for quite some time but, that I wanted to be a part of. Couldn't have said it better myself. And one, one last question. For students sure. who are listening to this podcast and they are unsure of auditioning for conservatories or music colleges around the country or around the world. We all face that uh, moment in our life where we're kind of unsure if we're still going on the right path for 
people who are in high school or people who are interested in going to grad school, what can you, what kind of advice can you offer them to say that you are on the right track and what we're doing as musicians is worth the bigger cause? I think, I think that's, it's a tough and, and personal question for, for every person who, who, who faces that. I, I think that my, my, my suggestion in it is, is just, uh, to be self-reflective at, at every stage about what it is that you're doing. Um, uh, it's, it's a hard path. Uh, it's, uh, lots of twists and turns and ups and downs. Uh, and, uh, and if, uh, if all that while it, the, the, the art of it, the, the music of it continues to, to fuel you, continues to feel like, like the most important thing, the thing you couldn't be without, uh, then, then I, I, I think you're in the right place. Um, I, I know lots of people who've, who started down that path and found other passions and found other things they wanted to do. Um, and, uh, and there's also no shame in that. Um, uh, I know an awful lot of people who, uh, started off coming as professional musicians and are now very great professional something else's, um, and, uh, and support the arts. Um, and uh, and help uh, help battle some of the misconceptions that that we talked about earlier, um, and and I think I think that that's all all great too. So I I really think that the key to it is continuing to ask what it is that that you really want, um, and whether or not you're getting it out of out of what you're doing, um, and and what you can do to to make that the case. Evan, thanks very much for being my guest today on the Everyday Musician Podcast. Where can people get a hold of you or where can people find your music online? Uh, so EvanLSnyder.com is my website. Uh, easy to remember because it's just my name. Um, and uh, uh, you can also um, uh, search Google um, the titles of uh, um, my operas. A Capacity for Evil has a, a pretty strong web presence at this point. Um uh, or um, uh, Evan L. Snyder composer or Evan Snyder composer and, and you'll find me no problem. And then hopefully eventually we'll see Clef of the Universe in those top ranking Google searches. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the idea. I, uh, I've got a, a little more work to do on it before uh, before it gets that kind of uh, um, uh, public eye, but uh, um, uh, but it's, it's uh, taking the right steps down the path. So I'm, I'm excited to get to share that not too long. And of course, for people who are interested in learning more about Evan, I'm going to provide all of that in the podcast notes. So uh, website, I'll definitely put that up there. And I'll also provide a link for your recent opera. So that way people can actually learn more about it and see what it's all about. And uh, Evan, Great. Evan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad that we were able to reconnect after the summer. And you know, best of luck with everything. And we hope to have you on the podcast in a future episode great. I would love that. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Everyday Musician Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Make sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to provide links in the podcast description so it'll be easy for you to like and follow us on those social media platforms. I'm your host, Eric Mogala. Join me next week on another episode of the Everyday Musician.